Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. And today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'm doing this for a school project. We're comparing the ABA to the NBA basketball in the 70s. I'm going to be talking about the evolution of the ABA, why it came to be, the rule differences, the impact that it had in the NBA, and some of the top players that played in the ABA, that transitioned to play in the NBA and had very successful careers. The ABA was created to challenge and potentially take over the NBA, and it was founded in 1967. The first ABA game took place October 13th, 1967, with the Oakland Oaks defeating the Anaheim Amigos. It was the first season uh, of the ABA's existence. It featured just 11 teams as opposed to the 30 teams that are in the NBA. So about a third of the teams are in the ABA as opposed to the NBA. The major rule differences between the ABA and the NBA, the ABA was more of a free-flowing, fast-paced league as opposed to the NBA. Like we see in modern basketball today, a lot of transition basketball getting out on the fast break as opposed to the half-court game that was maybe more seen in the 80s and the in the 90s in the NBA, more of a half-court style game, a lot of passing and ball movement on the perimeter, half-court offense as opposed to transition. Uh, and the ABA really prided itself on teams getting out and going, pushing the pace and having an entertaining product on the floor each and every night, bringing new uh, things to the game. And one of the main things that they did was in terms of the color and just the atmosphere of the ABA. Instead of using the traditional orange ball that the NBA uses, the ABA used the more flamboyant white and blue ball. The cheerleaders wore bikinis instead of skirts. And there's a lot more encouraged trash talking and emotions brought to the game on a nightly basis. So you could see that these guys had a human element, a relatable element to them. And it was also just a show in general. It was not as much about the actual gameplay, but more so about the entertainment aspect. And fans were entertained on a nightly basis. They had a 30-second shot clock instead of 24 seconds, which may make you think that it was actually slower, but that just gave them more time to score points, okay? And obviously, transition being fast speeds up the pace as opposed to a half-court setting that the NBA had. So although they had less shot clock, that also meant less time to get shots up, less time to score points. The ABA teams were scoring at a much higher rate, and defense wasn't nearly as much of an emphasis in the ABA as opposed to the NBA, where they really got into the half-court and played a lot of defense. So the NBA really benefits today from the three-point line, which was actually invented by the ABA. And you see now guys are shooting threes all the time, six, seven, eight three-pointers a game from one player, which is absolutely insane. Teams are jacking up 35 to 40 threes on a consistent basis. And that's a lot of the game today. Then one of the most efficient shots in basketball is a three-point shot next to the layup and around the basket shots. And that really wasn't a thing in the NBA until they stole it from the ABA. So just the game would be so much different today if they didn't have the three-point line. And the dunk contest, also the world's first dunk contest, was in the ABA. There was high flyers showing off their crazy amount of moves, what they could do with one ball, two balls, between the legs, around the back, jumping off trampolines, some crazy stuff that the ABA players were doing back in the day. The NBA later adapted, and you have guys like Blake Griffin who dunked over a car. You can go on and on, some historic dunk contests in the NBA. They all came from the ABA. Two of the biggest aspects of modern basketball, again, the three-point shooting and the dunk contest, 
all came from the ABA. And we really wouldn't have the same product on the floor on a nightly basis. If you talk about that and transition basketball and all the other elements that the ABA provided, you would not have that in the NBA without the ABA, which is why even though the ABA ended up folding and not working, it's still important to know about and it's still a big factor of basketball today. Why did the ABA fold? You may ask, the biggest problem facing the ABA was their funding. They weren't able to get TV contracts, they had trouble selling tickets, and they had to compete with an already established basketball league. The NBA had only been around for around 20 years, so they thought that maybe it hadn't given enough steam to really be that prominent league, and the ABA was trying to become that prominent league. The old school game of the NBA was probably appealing to a lot of people, but they also just had a strong financial backing, the NBA did, as opposed to the ABA, who was having trouble getting TV contracts, selling tickets, and things like that. So eventually, the NBA had to take a couple of the teams, take the best players, and the ABA had to fold. And in 1999, the San Antonio Spurs became the first ABA team to win the NBA Finals, which is a big deal. Only four ABA teams remain in the NBA today. You got the San Antonio Spurs, the Brooklyn Nets now, who were before the New Jersey Nets and the New York Nets. You got the Nuggets as well and the Indiana Pacers. And five main ABA players who also had major success in the NBA, Julius Irving, Rick Barry, Artis Gilmore, George Gervin, and Moses Malone. And I'm going to go through each and every one of these guys kind of give you a little bit more information about them. First with Julius Irving, all-around player known for his athleticism and dunking. He's the dude that really uh, took the dunk contest era and ran with it. He was the major high flyer for the ABA. He won, obviously, the dunk contest. He also won three ABA MVPs, two ABA championships. He was a five-time ABA All-Star. Uh, and was four-time All-ABA first team. Again, a great all-around player. He sported a large afro, which was another thing that a lot of players back in the day did with their accessories, with the way the uniforms looked. Everything was just super flamboyant and showy and and really just entertaining. It, it was entertaining to look at the jersey combinations and all the other accessories, the hairstyles. It was really just a show on a nightly basis, and that's what Julius Irving brought to the table with also a tremendous amount of basketball skill. This was a guy that could score from basically all three levels. The three-point line wasn't as consistent as it is today. Teams are obviously making a lot more threes at a much higher rate today. It wasn't really the case back then, but Julius could hit a couple threes. He could attack the basket. He could go in the mid-range. He wasn't just a dunker. He had a lot of other abilities, good playmaker, and he did a really good job in the ABA. It was really their central most popular figure in that league. Uh, in the NBA, he also won an MVP. He also won an NBA championship. He was an 11-time NBA All-Star. He was a five-time All-NBA first-team member. So he did have a lot of success in the NBA as well. A lot of people say the ABA was watered down, less competition. But when they did the merger and he moved to the NBA, these ABA guys are still killing. And Julius Irving was one of the top guys that was killing it uh, in the NBA even after the merger. So he was the, really a big figure. Rick Barry is also very popular. He was known for his granny underhanded free throw shot. He's the only player in history to lead the NCAA, the ABA, and the NBA in scoring. This was a guy that came in 
from college into the NBA. And he left the NBA for the ABA for several years before he eventually came back uh, due to everything going on there. This dude was a hell of a scorer. He shot free throws underhanded, which was really crazy. Again, another another spectacle uh, kind of what is he doing type of thing, but he made free throws at a very high rate. He had one of the highest free throw percentages of all time. So clearly he was working, but it was just another unique element that he brought to the game, which was what you'll see as a common theme among these ABA players. Artist Gilmore, another 172 big man with elite finishing ability, rebounding and rim protection. He also sported an afro and he also was just a dominant force down low. Imagine a 72 big man. We don't see very many of those guys uh, in the NBA today. And he was really a bully in the paint on both sides of the ball. George Jervin, or Gervin, rather, an elite wing scorer for the San Antonio Spurs. is a career 25-point-per-game scorer, and he really filled it up. Also didn't shoot the three at a high clip, but really knocked down the mid-range, really could attack the basket. He was six foot seven. He could play either the shooting guard position or the small forward position. He was very versatile in that aspect and was a tremendous talent uh, in both the ABA and the NBA. Then the final one was Moses Malone. Elite rebounding big man, a double-double machine. Played for the Philadelphia 76ers, the Houston Rockets. He had a big impact uh, in the NBA as well as the ABA. This dude could give you 20 rebounds on a very consistent basis. Just double-double machine, 20 and 10, 20 and 12, 20 and 20. He could put up all those stat lines, also giving you elite defense. So the NBA really wouldn't be the same without these ABA figures. And like I said, the Spurs, as we touched on before, became one of the greatest dynasties in all of sports. They won five championships and have made the playoffs every single year of my life. Think about that. I'm 19 years old. The Spurs have made the playoffs every year of my life. They won five championships in that span. They have the greatest power forward of all time in Tim Duncan. They have the greatest coach of all time in Greg Popovich. The San Antonio Spurs would not be in the NBA if it wasn't for the ABA and their existence. The three-point line. Steph Curry revolutionized basketball with the three-point line, which the ABA invented, okay? And the game transitioned from the back-to-the-basket big man, the half-court sets to speedy, fast, up-tempo, three-point shooting, running and gunning, which led to the Golden State Warriors dynasty, which affects a lot of us out here on the West Coast living in the Bay Area. And Steph really took the league by storm doing that. Clay Thompson, another elite three-point shooter, and the Warriors won three championships in five years because of it and really transitioned into a brand of basketball that we can all know and love. And that comes from the ABA. That entertainment comes from the ABA. Also say that MJ, Vince Carter, and many more took the dunk contest to a next level from what Julius Irving was able to do, what the ABA was able to do with that dunk contest. Those guys came in and killed it. They put on great shows. We got to see some of the best players in the league put on spectacles and dunk. And even more off-the-court things, like with Russell Westbrook and some of these athletes that sport their gear and their, their trendy fashion and things like that, these were things that people in the ABA were doing already from the start. And having these branded athletes and, and making the game more than just the dribbling and the shooting and just the basketball they really made it into an entire spectacle. They made it an entertainment sport. And they're really the reason why these athletes are getting paid the amount of money that they're getting paid today. So the ABA is very important. Basketball in the 70s really took an insane level of, of evolution. And really without the 70s and without what the ABA 
had and brought to the game, we really wouldn't have the basketball that we have today. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'm out. Peace.